0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
2: and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Vef, and before we start, let's go over the results of the Russian Premier Liga. We'll start with Ahmad, 0-2 against Loko. Tambov, 1-2 against Ural. Oh, Ural picking up a win there. Spartak, 0-0 against Rubin. We're going to talk a bit about Spartak today, so yeah, interesting result there. Zenit, hammering Rostov, 6-1. Orenburg 0-1 Krivyye Sovetov. This is another result that we will have to talk about, but not because of the goals. Ufa 1-1 against CSKA. Arsenal 1, Sochi 1, and finally Dynamo 1, Krasnodar 1. Whew, lots of results to talk about. We have a lot more to cover than that as well, so let's get right into it. And to help help me cover all of this, as always, the man from all the way over in Siberia. Andrew Flint, how are you doing Andrew? This is another one of those podcasts where you know it's later here. It's early over there um I you know I came back from the gym. Yeah. I've cracked open my beer Phillips villager bram um, for white caps flavored beer. so yeah Phillips this this is actually you know you're gonna be able to, you will have to pay for this promotion just so you know but yeah that's, <laughs> that I love this role reversal here it's great.
0: I, I can feel in your voice, you guys are settling into this. Um, and I, I said it before, it's, it's good to hear. I have felt guilty over the years, I'll be honest, that hearing your your voice is groaning as you shake off the sleep. But, um, yeah, all going over here. Um, well, good off the pitch, at least, and on the pitch, not quite so good, but it's been a good weekend away in Zhigolovsk. Um, speaking of beer, actually, like I was saying off pod, um, Jigolovsquire beer I experienced for the first time from fifteen meters from the brewery. So we're both enjoying our beer this weekend at least.
2: So it came straight off a pipe then?
0: Well I, I'm not sure but it probably could have done. It. it was quite literally across the street. Um oh god, it was so it was beautiful. It was so, so clear and fresh. Uh, and this was at eleven o'clock in the morning. Not that we on the Football Grad podcast um are encouraging early morning drinking, but if you happen to do yeah. so, it can be good. Money. We're also not
2: discouraging <laughs> it, Um right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's 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 Tim, We're t- definitely not discouraging. <laughs> Tim, Dr. Jeff, everyone. Tim,
3: how are you doing? I mean, I'm having a beer. Are you having a beer? No, I'm having a tea, and I'm actually a big beer drinker. I love beer, and I b- b- like, like drinking different types. And you're drinking a beer, Andrew has a beer story, and I am... The person who doesn't have any beer stories from like recent beer stories, and I don't have a beer in my head, so I'm a little bit lacking in that department. But I hope to, uh, you know, uh, recoup that in t- in terms of speaking about crazy Russian football, which uh, we will do, and uh, hopefully it's gonna be fun.
2: Well, also, um, Tim, liquor stores are open till eleven on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Once this, this this podcast is done and uh, wrapped <laughs> up,
0: I know yeah, no, you you. <laughs> you can you can buy beer until eleven o'clock in Vancouver.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't it? I thought it was twelve in Russia. So what? What are you excited about?
0: Some places in tumen nine o'clock, nine <laughs> o'clock, and then you can't buy. It.
3: Yeah, Tim, I hate
2: to tell you, the days of buying beer late in Russia are long gone.
0: <laughs> oh, certainly, I'm in Chumen, I tell you that. Yeah,
2: sad, but yeah, um, that that's not the case. I know, Tim, you wanted to catch up on some Champions League action, so. Um, you can definitely do that. Crack open a I, I actually do recommend the Philips, uh, village of Hazy Culch. Um, Philips, that will be ten thousand dollars in promotional money. Um, so thank you for that. Anyhow, um, guys, um, let's get right into this. And this is this is the first topic that we want to discuss. This is actually something that's um quite quite dear to me because this is actually a person that. Got me very much into, to Russian football. Um, wrote um, a short essay about him back all the way back, I think in grade 11 or 12. And, um, th- that's of course Lev Yashin, the legendary goalkeeper, the spider, the black panther. There's lots of, lots of names for him. Um, my favorite story about him is that he drunk, um, before every game, he drunk a shot of vodka to steal his muscles and smoked a cigarette to calm his nerves. Um, <laughs> legendary. Also the only keeper, um, to win the Ballon d'Or for the best player in the world. And I think he was also the first player in the world to be awarded that award. So, um, yeah, a legendary keeper, um, of course won the European Championships with the Soviet Union in 1960. And there's some exciting news about him, right, Tim?
3: Yeah like uh, it's uh, today is uh, October 22nd which is his birthday uh, today he would have turned 90 years old so, uh, all the games which, um, you know, play, were played, uh, over the weekend in Russia were celebrating Lev Ivanovich Yashin. Um, the, some, like, obviously, with, with the, the fans had some banners. And, uh, what I really, really like that every club and every fans were united about it. For example, I watched Spartak game. And when the, there was announcement about Lev Yashin, everyone clapped. There was no idiots who, you know, um, divide the legends uh, by the club, uh, because he played his whole career in Dynamo Moscow. He's a total Dynamo Moscow legend. So obviously, Dynamo Moscow, for example, Spartak a big rival, so there was no issues at all and I think everyone reunited. Also, the cool fact that uh, Lev Yashin used to play in a special hat uh, he's known for his wearing the hat while playing, while he was playing. And uh, so then when Dinamo, his club, played against Krasnodar, so both goalies <clears throat> wore the the hat uh when they entered the pitch. So it was a little gesture just to celebrate the legend. He is probably the most legendary Soviet or Russian player in the history, the most recognized, like Mado mentioned. He won the Ballon d'Or, and he is the absolute legend. We also, also had like Blahin. Abilanov and a few other people who made it on the European or world level. But I think Yashin is probably the most recognized. Unfortunately, I don't think any of us actually see him play. We only saw at certain moments, so we don't really know. And all the stories about him, we can't really justify and see how genius and how legendary he was. But clearly he was the best. Uh, at he, in his time and he's still remembered and celebrated so it's a great thing what the Russian Premier League did about this because really every game was celebrated there was a whole bunch of different banners celebrating the legend so it's just a very good positive story
2: you know one of my favorite uh stories and that's actually one of my favorite Andrew Flynn stories as well because um, I believe it was at the 2017 Confort Cup Andrew that um, you stayed with me at the apartment that I rented in Moscow and you had to take all these pictures around Moscow of different stadiums and facilities, etc, and um we walked from Dynamo station to where the Dynamo stadium was still a construction site to CSKA's new stadium and as we were casually walked down the road, I just pointed up and said to you, this is by the way, this is where Yashin lived." Remember that with the little, yeah. um, with the little monument? There's a little monument on the s- side of the house and it's literally halfway between Dynamo Stadium and, uh, Cisgar Stadium.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah.
0: It was, um, it, you know, it was, it was, I don't know what I expected to see. I guess I expected more of a, a monumental shrine, something slightly more glamorous. I don't know, but it, in a way, it, for me, I never saw him play. Of course, he was way before my time. Um, but for a legend of his status, I think the slightly understated nature of how that plaque was presented just, it's just literally on the corner of the street, isn't it? Just, you know, head height, nothing much more than that. Yeah, uh, it was you a would name. miss I it think if you
2: wouldn't know. You would miss it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, as I understand, I may be mistaken, Manny, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that was a flat given to the Yashins by the Soviet Union in recognition of his, his service as a player, I think it was. Yeah, His wife sport. still lived there for... Yeah. It was... Uh, that, yeah, the Master Sword, Sport, that's the one. Uh, and he, his... As I understand, I think it was his wife or his daughter lived there for 40, 50 years or something. Um So it really is just a very down-to-earth memorial of them. I mean, you know, we... When we... You talk of the Dinamo Stadium... And um, the, the statue outside, if anything, I think is, was disappointingly, um, well, presented for the first year or two while it was up when they put all the construction work around it. And if there's one thing while the stadium was not up that people want to see, it's remembering, well, I could be the greatest Soviet player of all time almost. Um, and the way the statue around the stadium just had scaffolding around it was, was, Disappointing really, but outside his house that, that memorial was, I don't know, suitably understated, perhaps.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you can't, I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, um, they just celebrated this day. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, boys, you know what was not understated? <laughs> <laughs> Tim is already laughing. So this is how this podcast will get explicit this week, um, and it's entirely not our doing. Um, we're just reporting the news. Um, so if you have your six-year-old listening to this podcast, this might be a good time to cover up his ears. Um, if ex- in fact, if your kid is anyone anything below eighteen, this is probably a good time to cover up his or her ears. Um, the Amka Twitter account. Where am I going with this? Well, it got. <laughs> What's the right word for this, Tim? Hijacked?
3: <laughs> yeah, hijacked, hacked. I don't never know, but it's also a, a strange type of hijack because, um, well, if if the listeners doesn't know, Amkarov used to be a club which used to play in the Russian Premier League, and unfortunately, due due to financial circumstances, they pretty much got dissolved. Uh, but this, Twitter was still active, and. Um, well, again, i gonna have to use my words carefully because uh, we already a- encourage listeners to drink in early in the morning. Now we're gonna encourage some erotic contact, but pretty much there, yeah, there was some erotic contact advertised through official team of a defunct now um, uh, club uh, Twitter, and it was quite interesting. So and everyone really obviously picked up because like the club is defunct now, but they were um, celebrating, like you know, and um, had. Quite eighteen plus pictures uh, with some uh, erotic uh, messages and like erotic contact uh, on their Twitter. Uh, Unfortunately, this is all gone right now. Well, I know, fortunately or unfortunately, this is all gone now. Uh, But uh, and the 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 the, the Twitter now says that their account was hijacked and they're back. And uh, uh, let's let's just uh, don't be serious about it because we we are not a club for uh, uh, for more than a year. That's that's the official statement. Right now on that Twitter uh, account. But also, like, you know, usually you get, uh, you know, porn hijacked into your, um, you know, social media when you actually follow in that uh, contact So somebody from Ankar, maybe, you know, allegedly uh, was really interested in 18 plus material. So I obviously cannot confirm or deny that. But uh, this is just a very funny story, which is very humorous and really, really made a big uh, joke all over Russian media. Uh, Andrew, how did you see that uh, from inside the, the country?
0: <laughs> you know i think the funniest thing that struck me was uh and it's quite quite sad really but i look looking at this content you know you had these messages they clearly just put it through google translate they made no effort to even try and make it sound like uh these these people were genuine but yeah it was um it was amusing i mean i've been i went to pm earlier earlier this season to watch zhios de pm who are. Uh, they're claiming to be continuing, uh, Amcar PM. They're playing in, in their stadium and they're using all the offices and everything. So there is still a big following for the club. Um, and I have very little sympathy for Amcar PM in general because I, I just, I never felt like they made any attempt to entertain. They, they played defensive, turgid football the entire time. And they also happen to be rivals of, or um, being just down the road, you know, just a few hundred kilometres away. Um, so I was never disappointed to see them go down. And there would be an explicit joke I can make about uh, <laughs> the type of content of the type of club. But as you say, we're a responsible, caring, mature podcast, aren't we, Tim? So I, I won't make explicit jokes, I promise. Uh, but exactly. it was amusing, very amusing.
2: I can't believe we <laughs> talked about all of this and we're, we're still not in the explicit category. Um, that said, I'm going to get us over the edge of that. You The Twitter account was available at tits. Yeah, they changed it to that. Um, brilliant work by the intern. I mean... Maybe that was all done by strategy for me. I only looked at this as a journalist, by the way. When I clarified. Of course. course. You know, it's all done for research, (laughs) but I suspect following, seeing the Amcat Pam Twitter account before and during what was happening with at tits. Um, I, I feel like it was the same author or is that just me? I mean, it was the same Google translate, uh, kind of tweets that they had before
0: it's that's that's the thing that tickled me the most i mean you know if somebody gets hacked they get hacked my facebook account was hacked a few years ago for example it it happens all the time so it's not really that much of a surprise anymore but it was just how badly it was hacked that made me laugh the most oh money you know you said you took us over the edge i think our. our podcast editor is going to be groaning now. She's going to have to change the rating of this podcast, but. No, no, that's getting automatically it's, it's done. Gonna...
2: It's getting automatically done by ACAST. So she, Nina has to do nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go, Nina. There you go. <laughs> Lucky listeners, eh? Hey? Lucky
2: listeners. It's, it's, it picks out certain words and that's just it. Um, yeah. So I, I think we might actually still be in the clear. You know, I'm pretty sure. All right. It will happen eventually.
3: Boys, even just mentioning Amkar is already explicit material, so we didn't have to go (laughs) into tweet. I I am convinced,
2: I'm convinced that a lot of the foreign words make us go explicit because we had podcasts go explicit, rated by Icast. And Icast, you need to look into this, where we just said nothing. (laughs) I mean, half the time, Andrew will say something in English and it will just be, you know, that will be it. But the rest of the time. (laughs) Anyways,
3: um, guys. (laughs) I don't even, I didn't even know how they distinguish my accent. I don't know. Yeah, the system is broken.
2: I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting stereotypes here, Tim. I, I'm 100% sure. Um, speaking of stereotyping, um, and we're going to talk about Tedesco in, in, a, in a bit more in a moment in the game. But Tim, um, I think you put this in the chat. The, I think it was Sport Express, right? The, the Russian yeah. paper, Sport yeah, Express. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Tedesco, we covered him two weeks ago and the last time uh, before the international break, he's of course now at Spartak, um, first German head coach at Spartak in Spartak's history, I believe. Right. And, um, the Sport Express. Yeah. I pictured him as the Joker. Um, he took this rather well, I thought, but you know, what, what was up with that message?
3: So, yeah, pretty much you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the, Domenico Tedesco, before uh, the, the day of the, his debut as a head coach of Spartak Moscow, was pictured in uh, one of the biggest Russian newspapers, uh, um, uh, Sport Express, as a Joker, the very popular movie. And he was pretty much presented as, um, you know, like with the, the, the makeup and uh, pretty much like his normal picture, but in a makeup. So it looked a little bit strange. Uh, Tedescu, absolutely, he took it very well, because when he was asked about it uh, at the press conference before the game, he said that, um, I just saw that 10 minutes ago, I didn't have the chance to read the article, but I'll t- take it as a compliment, because Joker is the, the best, or like the biggest, the most powerful uh, card in the, in the game. So, I take it as a compliment. On the other side, the fans really, really, really didn't like that, because... Um, it's, it needs to be understood that, especially for North American and maybe English audience, that, uh, you know, in Russia, we don't really have the culture of the comic books. So the way it works for us is that probably at once in three, four, five years, whenever the superheroes movies come out, it becomes a topic, but it's not really ingrained into our culture history. So lots of people who don't really follow the comic, don't know the history, thought, And took a perception that Sport Express is making fun of uh, Domenico Tedesco because, and saying that he was not the best option, that he's pretty much as a clown. And, and certain people perceived it as the, you know, the biggest paper on the, on the, the first page making fun of the new Spartak coach. And it wasn't really perceived very well by the fans. And then, um, the Sport Express, they issued apology and they said, uh, we don't want to be smarter than everyone else. If really we, Ch- took a chance with this um, caricature of this uh, picture, and we were not understood then we probably made the mistake, and the message here are. Our message was that the Desco right now, Spartak is doing not very well. And like, they're pretty much close to the relegation zone, but jo- the Joker or Domenico Tedesco comes in and changes the situation for the better as the card in, in, in the, in the card game. So that, that was kind of the story. So obviously mixed opinions. Um, but, uh, the club reacted. I thought, I think the club reacted in a, in a good way because obviously the club had to stay with the fans. And the fans, in majority, were very, very mad at Sport Express because Sport Express already did a couple of, you know, digs at Spartak. So obviously there was the relation is a little bit tense. But what the the club did, I think they did a brilliantly joke. They didn't really make a drama or like a scandal out of that. All just all um, journalists, Sport Express journalists, who showed up uh, to the game who were accredited instead of their accreditation and uh, getting into the stadium, they were presented. Of uh, the ticket to go and to watch the the actual movie Joker in the in the in the movie theater, and they were not let into the uh into the actual press area. So they were allowed to go to the stadium, but not into the press area. I think Sparta took it well because uh, they defended their coach. They showed that yeah, you can't really joke around with us. Um Kind of intended, and also they took the side of the fans because Sensworth fans didn't 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 really like that. So we'll see how the story takes place because and if the Sport Express journalists will be let into the next home game. But um, it was just it was a big 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 story in Russia, so we had to cover it in our news section, and um, that's that's how it turned out.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you are bringing up the the cultural differences because Russia has a very long tradition of the circus, right?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. And the exactly. clown plays exactly. a big
2: role in the circus and that's how people will have perceived it.
3: Exactly.
2: Um, exactly. And I think that's like, you know, of course, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a Joker from the movie. Right. And that's my Western eyes. And, um, that's, you know, when, when, but when you look at actually through the eyes of, <laughs> The average person in Moscow or the average Spartak fan that has like things back all the way to the Soviet Union, then that perception is very different. This isn't, you know, this is not the, this is not US. This is not Western Europe. So yeah, I'm kind of glad that you, that you brought up that the difference in perception because what looks okay for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also generation wise and exactly. In, yeah. I, I can definitely see that. I, I think it's clever to give the journalist a, a movie ticket to the Joker, yeah, uh, to, to figure out the, the the difference. Um, but yeah, speaking about jokers, um, hmm. Andrew, Slutsky, yeah, how how are we gonna say this diplomatically? I I just let you figure it out. Maybe you're gonna get us make. Maybe you're gonna be the one getting us explicit again.
0: <laughs> well, I I tell you what. That anybody who's not following Leonard Slutsky on social media, do it now. Let's start with that. He has a really entertaining Instagram account, and he's. But the reason it's entertaining is because he's open and he's honest, and he does have experience to talk about things. So you know, while he might appear as uh, you know lighthearted, he does understand what is going on. Um. So anyway, so yeah, he's in uh, uh, in the Eredivisie, uh, Vitesse Arnhem, at the moment. Um, but he has, uh, apparently done an interview, um, where he admitted that there were, let's just say less than decent owners in charge of Roto Volgograd, um, who were interested in getting him involved. He has history in Volgograd, of course, he played there as a youth team player, I think it was, um. But he refused when he realised that they were less than um, well, less than honest, should we say? Um, I mean, it's it, it's not surprising for us to hear because we know full well that there a lot of clubs throughout Russia, and I'm not just saying only Russia, but just because that's the the area we're focusing on, um, are just are, are not particularly honest. Even my own club, um, FC Tumen, we'll get I'll get onto that later, I'm sure, but um, there is a less than clean picture, should we say? So, you know, you follow Slutsky, you will, you will get honesty. And it's not something I think should be shied away from. I think it shouldn't be seen as a complete joke. It should be seen, it should be taken seriously. Um, but at the moment in, in, in Holland, in the, uh, in the Divizzi, he's doing a really good job and had a tough time in England at Hull City. So his move to Vitesse was a, was a really sensible move, it took him out of the, The main focus of Western Europe, shall we say? Um, but he's doing a good job. His, uh, his salary, as I understand, Tim, you, I think you've added this to our, to our list. His salary is a lot less than it was. Um, and he is still doing a a seriously good job. So I think people should start giving Slutsky more credit than perhaps he's been given.
3: Exactly. Yeah. You know, in the, in Western world or like in Europe, he's, uh, he's sometimes as viewed as this crazy guy on the bench who's just shaking. Like, you know, remember, you've seen those videos when he's just going uh, back and forth, back and forth. But, uh, to be honest, he is probably one of the best if not the best Russian coach, he took a risky chance uh, of going to Europe, learning the language. Yes, his experience in Hull wasn't that brilliant, but at the same time, um, as um, lots of English fans would know that when he came to Hull, Hull was a mess, and it was very tough, uh, a tough uh, ask for him. Uh, but right now, he is in Vitesse, uh, in a quieter um, part of Europe, where he has a little bit less attention, and he can really uh, do creative job. Uh, he also, he does very well. He started he, he put the, his head at the best ever start for Vitesse in the Eredivisie. They're currently, after 10 games, uh, they're third. They're on equal points with PSV, uh, 23 points, and they're only three points uh, behind Ajax Amsterdam, who are leading the pack. So, the, for Vitesse, who are usually the club who is fighting and hoping to get, ideally, to the Europa League, uh, being third is a big achievement. Uh, also, they, so they're getting the points. Uh, also, an interesting story, like uh, yeah, you man- Manu mentioned, he gave this interview, part of the same interview that he said that he is making his salaries five times less as uh, he was in CSK. Uh but also at the same time, in the same interview, he said that he is pretty much sponsoring um, Youth Academy back home in the where he's spending 10 million uh rubles just to that Academy so that's an I think it's unbelievable he doesn't have to do that but he does that just to support his home city and I think this is un- unbelievable he also in- invited to Vitez his uh brother Birizutsky brothers who you know pretty much pretty much any anyone who follows Russian f- football knows Teca uh, legends two twin brothers who were legendary players for CSKA and Russian national team uh, they are Doing, they just started their uh, coaching career. They just pretty much finished their professional career. And they uh, went with Slutsky um, to Vitesse pretty much to, to gain experience. Uh, allowed to work completely for free but they work for peanuts and the salary which the Brzezinski brothers are getting is not enough to cover their rent in uh, in Holland so they're pretty much doing a lot of uh, studying and they're really participating in all the uh, exercises and all the gameplay in, in the training session uh, but uh, Slutsky also told a very interesting story about those brothers. He called them the most intelligent uh, footballers in the current generation who did the most uh, success in terms of uh, business outside of football. I I read about them that they're really into investment. They invest into different stocks, mutual funds, and they really, really follow the stock market. So they, you know, and they have been successful with that. They also have some business outside of uh, outside of uh, investments and uh, football. So pretty much that. And Bruce uh, also mentioned that uh, in the last years of their career, they were making money, more money from their uh, business outside of football than from playing for CSKA. I assume that at CSKA, they should have been somewhere around maybe between million and a half, maybe two million uh, per year. So they were making more than that from their business. That just shows that they're just incredibly successful and smart people. And uh, I can just only applaud them for their attempts uh, to, you know, again, explore foreign European league go there for no money just to work with their friend and the coach and get experience i think this is just a very cool story which doesn't happen that often in russia uh not that many players or coaches especially go outside of uh russian federation and i think uh yeah if you follow russian football uh you should follow a little bit uh with and be proud of uh what uh is doing i think it's a very good story like andrew mentioned
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, very interesting story indeed, and really curious to see how the Beresotski are gonna get on. Um, Andrew, this one is for you. Um, speaking about getting on, this is a small news item, so we can be quick about this. Gregorian left Tambov.
0: What happened there? <laughs> well, Ale- Alexander Gregorian is a very interesting character. He's very single-minded, and he divides opinion, shall we say? Um, but I mean, he he took over Tambov after they were promoted, and they have struggled. They are bottom of the league. And it's become a little surprise, if we're being brutally honest, that that his reign has come to an end. I was perhaps surprised he didn't wait until the winter break. But then again, they are bottom. Uh, they need to make a change sooner rather than later. So after after their last game, uh pardon me, last weekend, he resigned. Well, I've heard different stories whether he was sacked or resigned. But knowing his character, I'm sure he was partly he was pushed out. Uh, and brilliantly, it was Oralia Katzenberg that did it. Um, I remember Gregorian from when he was managing Lucena Gear Vladivostok against two men in Nathanael. And his team had just beaten us 1-0 uh, away from home, a really, really long distance, or like most of them are for Lucena Uh And he was still furious. He made two of his players sit on the curb while the rest of the team got on the team bus and made them wait in the cold. Uh, until he was, until he was satisfied and then he said, okay, fine, you can get on the bus. Um, you know, he's a, he's a strange guy and he, um, he's not always popular with the fans of the clubs that he takes over. So now he is no more at Tambov. Tambov, I think, are in quite a bit of trouble. I don't think. Sorry, Andrew, gonna...
3: be- before you move on, can you tell the chicken story? I think that was a brilliant story.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. While it, well, actually, there we go. While he was at Luce Gear, it was the same season, I think, or season after. When he uh, when when I saw him outside the Gion Stadium in Chimen. so the the Luchena Gear fans had never taken to him, and they branded him a uh, nickname Pituch, which in Russian prison slang is a rather derogatory term about a the sexuality and character of a person, should would say. Um, and one fan paid five hundred rubles to buy a real live chicken, and. They, Gregorian was right in front of him in the stands and he shouted Sanya! Sanya, like short for Alexander, Sanya! Tibitou! And threw the chicken, but live chicken flapping towards him <laughs> onto the bench. Absolutely brilliant stuff. You have to see that, uh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, and, you know, in true Gregorian style, he was defiant and walked up to the fans after the games and sort of made a gesture to say, look, I'm better, you know, you listen to me. But Oh, he's uh, the the chicken is no more. Off.
2: Um, I I don't even know how to make a transition, guys.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> funny can't transition. Then it means it's difficult. You are the master of transitions.
2: This um, is this is impossible. I think someone, we just need to someone, end someone, the podcast now. This, this is it. I mean, how are we going to top this? But
0: um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. Someone who is not a chicken is someone who has. Who has played many games. Good, good, very good.
2: Um, sure. I'll, I'll handle the transitions in the future, but good. (laughs) Um, yes, that, that's correct. Someone who is not a chicken is Sergei Petrov, and he has played 200 games for Krasnodar, which is a big milestone for a small team, like uh, a young team like Krasnodar, right, Tim?
3: Yeah, the team was just sorry, about only 10 years old, uh, and they, you know, like obviously a super young club. And Sergei Petrov um, uh, made it to the 200 mark. He's the fifth uh, player uh, after Gazinski and Martinovich, who are still playing, and after Zaurzino and Pereira, who left the club. But it's just a cool story that, you know, a player who is also a Russian national team player uh, played such a young club. Uh, so congratulations to them and recognition another recognition for Krasnodar.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, being of Krasnodar, um, that brings us to the league table because, you know, we were talking off the podcast how, um, the, the Russian Premier League is the tightest league in Europe. I- I'm sorry to tell both of you that's no longer the case, but mm. it's still very, very tight. Um, first and fifth are separated by just, three points um i i also cover the bundesliga over on the Gegenpressing pressing podcast we have first and ninth separated by just two so yeah that title is currently held uh, by german football but this is not to diminish by any means the fact that this is still a very very competitive league um cross of course did drop points do Dynamo moscow that can use every point that they can get right now because you know they are in the relegation zone despite pretty much um Emptying the, the, the coffers of uh VTP Bank. But um yeah, um let, let's start with that maybe first. Like the the league is so tight at the moment, Andrew. Yes, there is a big gap between the top five and the rest of the league, but it is still very exciting to watch.
1: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jettikin And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
3: Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound.
0: Oh, absolutely. And um, I actually don't think it's too much of a problem in terms of the entertainment value for this season that there is such a big gap between fifth and sixth because there's a big gap in quality too. I mean, it, it, it's the old cliche that the league table doesn't lie. And the top five is a tight race in itself. That's one race. It's a separate race entirely. Um, to well, yeah, it's going to sound strange this, but pretty much the rest of the table is technically not out of a relegation battle. Um, Krilyas Sovietov are, at the moment, level with Oral Yekaterberg in sixth and seventh. They are only four points off the relegation zone, and both of them um, have their own problems. Oral are the worst defence in the league. They have over two goals conceded per game. Um, Krilyas Sovietov are heavily reliant on Alexander Sobilov, so if he gets injured or or perhaps even tempted by a transfer offer in the winter break, then they'll be in trouble, and and those next two highest ranked sites. So um I don't think it I don't think it is a negative that there's such a big gap between fifth and sixth. But top five itself though, I mean it's it's very hard to know who actually wants to win the league at this point. Um it's changed hands seven, eight times I think it is this season already. And um, Krasnodar have I don't know what it is. The last three seasons or so, they should have been challenging for Champions League football and they've fallen short um at various hurdles, but just short of what their ultimate goal is, which is to get to the top table of european football um now they've got a battle on their hands, I would say to well, firstly to qualify from the Europa League group stage, but also just to get back into Champions League qualifiers at all, not because they're far off but just because the competition's so tight um so yeah, I mean, you mentioned about the Bundesliga being tight. That's that's a ridiculous gap, the top nine teams by two points. Um But it, it, like you say, the Russian league certainly is very, very hard to call. Um So I still think Zanita are the favourites, but they're going to have to prove it.
2: Yeah, and I want to talk about Zanita in just a moment. I want to talk, but first I want to talk about a couple of teams that no offense, Tim, are not going to win the league this year. And, um, <laughs> the one team that we're going to talk more specifically about, um, is of course, Spartak Moscow, um, with their new head coach, the Joker, Domenico Tedesco. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is, is that result zero zero draw against Ruben? Is that something that, how do you categorize that? Is it a point gained? Is it two points lost? Is it not enough time yet for Dominico Tedesco to put a mark on this side? Is this, I mean, I have covered Dominico Tedesco in great extent over on the Game Pressing podcast. Is this what we can expect from him? How did, how did you see this game? And, um, is it going to make you any more optimistic about the way this league is going to go this year?
3: See I don't think we can make any conclusions based on just one game because uh Domenico Tedesco took over the team in the national team break he spent 5 days uh, with the team before the game and only two full uh training days with the full squad so he didn't really had a chance to really implement um majority of the ideas which he potentially he has um prepared for the team. Also, the, the captain of the team, um, Georg uh, received the red card in the last game, so he was missing the game, and he is, um, fairly, you know, key player in, uh, in, in the organization. Also, Roman Zobnin, who is also another, he is a vice captain, and he was uh, missing the game due to injury. So, really, he didn't have enough time to, um, to really implement his ideas, and he was missing key players. But, uh, I just remembered your story when I, the news about Tedesco just showed up and you told me, get ready for the defensive football. And I was just like, oof, like Mano knows what he is talking about. And um, you actually were absolutely right because after the first half, Rubin had more possession. I think it was 58 to 42 possession and Spartak was pretty much defending all the first half. Uh, uh trying to counterattack. Uh on the second half Domenico Todesco made some uh, tactical decisions and uh, and changes and um also he brought on uh, made some substitutions which improved the game and the Spartak was attacking and they spent uh, the game uh, pretty much attacking and had a few chances. Uh so I'm really really kind of curious what will happen to him so far Domenico Todesco really really behaved very very well he gave he said the right all the right things he reacted pretty smartly to that joker thing he said oh he he gave so many interviews and he spoke to fans i think he's just really so far making all the right things he also said that his and his staff uh also um have been uh, arriving to Atkriti Arena where the team, uh, is training now and where his office is about seven o'clock in the morning, leaving around eight and then working at their hotel until 12 o'clock in, in, in the evening. So like they have been really, really working hard, analyzing the opponents, just working on the team and, you know, trying to, to think, figure out. Uh, I, I have a question for you, Manu. Uh, he is working with his assistant coach. Uh, Hinkel, who used to be a national German team. And based on just really like, you know, the verbal and nonverbal uh, conversations between them on the bench, it looks like Tedesco, well, I wouldn't say looks up, but he, he really respects uh, the opinion of Hinkel, who is assistant coach. Could you please tell, do you know anything about uh, his uh, coaching status? Because I know he played for the national team and he was a respected player, but uh, as a coach, as an assistant coach, do you know much about him?
2: Yeah, you, you also have to keep in mind that the assistant coach plays a very big role in, in German football, right? And, and a lot of decision making comes from, comes from the assistant coach, both tactical, but also in terms of, um, setup and the actual coaching, right? Um, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic overall. Um, the, the, the great example is, um, Hansi Flick at the, uh-huh. at the 2014 World Cup, right? Um, would did a lot of the tactical setups, and a lot of people actually saying that the decline of the German national team can be very much traced to the fact that Hansi Flick left. So the the, the assistant coach plays a big role in, in general. I think that in Tedesco's case, it's it's very important to have a head coach with that playing experience on his side, because as you rightfully point out, he is not a coach that had a playing career. Um, which also is something that is quite normal in German football. Um, a lot of the coaches emerging in Germany at the moment, um, are coaches that have not a big playing career as their background. So I guess for, for him, Hinkel is therefore the link between being the technocratic coach, um, the theoretician to the dressing room, right? Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of communication. That communication, of course, doesn't mean that he's not the boss because he is, right? And I think that the, that is a, that's a very important distinction to be made. Um, I think that when you look at Hinkle, you, you can see a lot of the things that they have done, um, over the last couple, couple of years. Um, so Tedesco's playing philosophy is very much clear and he will be the one that sets the playing philosophy in that regard. So I think that, um, while it is kind of important to, to, to look at the assistant coaches, um, I think that also that what we can expect from both of them is very much what we saw at Schalke. And that is really, you know, that, that's when, that's also what I articulated in the article, right? That I wrote on uh, footballgrad.com on Dominico Tedesco and what he can add to, to Spartak is, and this, this is, this is my big concern going into this. I think that you will, see improvements in terms of results um much like you saw in the Massimo Carrera but are you going to see an improvement in the actual culture of the game? That is a big question mark for me and I think we can only get an answer on that maybe after the winter break to be quite frank.
3: he He actually said the same thing pretty much exactly what you're saying he says uh, don't expect any revolutions already, really significant changes uh, or like even really beautiful game or any of my ideas before the winter break. He says my goal right now before the winter just to really stabilize to make stabilization of situation because Spartak lost five games in a row obviously he says we need to get points the key will be the results, it won't be the beautiful football uh, before the the end of the, before the winter break and then in winter break he will have a chance to really implement those ideas which he has for the team and uh, um, hopefully, I'm I'm planning to see that because when Spartak is traveling to Orlando to play uh, the Florida Cup uh, in January, to maybe to see a little bit of that and already get a sense of idea what kind of football Tedesco is introducing.
2: Yeah, and that will be very interesting because I think a lot of the work will be done there. So um, keep an eye on that. Um, what we also need to keep an eye on, and I hope everyone still has all their eyes after this, Andrew. <laughs> this- very good. Orenburg versus Krulia. Oh, was that a game or a wrestling match?
0: <laughs> well, I think um, uh, Alexander Anikov tried his best to turn it into the latter. Um, it was, uh, I was all a bit of handbags to be honest, and it uh, got a little bit out of control. Um, I mean, it, this, this is one of the things. This is one of the things I was mentioning about Krulia possibly being in trouble a few a few moments ago. It's not a major issue that you would necessarily associate with Krillia having a disciplinary problem. But, you know, Anjukhov has, he's what, 35, 36 years old. He's come back to his hometown club and, but he is playing a big part in the side. And he, the idea was that as a veteran, as an experienced player, he would bring some sense of stability to their defense. And they, they rely too much on these two or three key players you know Zinkowski out, out wide has been fantastic um sobiloff up front and uh anyakov at fullback it i don't know i mean it's um it's disappointing to see it get out of control but i don't really understand why anyakov lost control he he's a he's an experienced calm-headed person normally um so Krillia have got a lot of problems to deal with, and this is only going to add to that. And I said, this is going to sound strange saying Krillia have got a lot of problems when they're sixth in the table, but it's so, that will change. That will change so, so quickly. Um, I think Tedesco will, like he suggested, like Tim's talked about, Arsenal Dula are not suddenly a terrible side. They lost a lot of their players over the summer. They're down in 11th. Orenberg are far better set, in my opinion. Than Kirelia. Uh and I the the greatest side in the world, so of course they will overtake. Um, Here we go. So much as it looks like everything is rosy um, in Samara. Uh, believe you me, it certainly it certainly is not, and they will um, they will start struggling. Believe me.
2: You know where it is looking rosy, guys. You know uh, anyone any guesses? Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I see the script on not- the book, so so, so I Ah, oh,
2: you know, cheating. Don't look at the script. <laughs> <laughs> come on guys don't do this to me
0: well i, I the only thing i can say is, is it, the answer certainly is not G-Man.
2: <laughs> no but well, we get to that so we that's why we have to keep moving on so guys come on discipline here um yes i, I had to put this down because 6-1 for sinit against rostov um, um it will actually give me a nice transition to the entire next chapter of what we are talking about. So this is beautiful. Um, but Suba, Artem Suba, I know, Tim, this is probably pains you, but he has been on fire. I mean, he just scores like there's no tomorrow. It's not, you know, like Robert Lewandowski kind of pays, but it's still, I mean, he has been very, very good.
3: Yeah, he has been fantastic, absolutely brilliant, uh, scoring three goals, three goals against uh, Rostov, and Rostov are known as a very, very organized uh, defensive defensively organized team and uh, Valeri Carpeni is doing a fantastic job at, at Rostov but the result uh, 6-1 to Zenit with Duba scoring three and assisting two I believe is just a fantastic result that shows that Zenit just in a fantastic form. Um I'm curious to see how they will do tomorrow in Champions League because um again that's important gain for them. But in Russian League it looks like after they came back um from the national teams and really, Zenith players did very, very well. Z- Zuba was instrumental in in Russia qualifying for Euro twenty and scored many goals. And Asdoev was very, very good. Uh, Azmund did very well in 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 Iranian team uh, national team. So it just looks like really they are lots of players as are in, in good form and uh, the team is working well. They really know their game and absolutely really six uh, one uh, to Rastov. To people who maybe don't follow Russian football, clearly might sound is an easy task, but really Rostov for the past season and a half has been a very organized team and a very, you know, defensively sound team and really getting six against Zenit. That's a big achievement. So really Zuba is in form. Zenit is in form and really they, it's, it's, it's really great things happening in St. Petersburg right now.
2: Yeah. And just on time because they are playing, um, RB Leipzig. Tomorrow in leipzig, and this is this is of course a, I did the match report for that um on this one is on Fußballstadt and on footballgrad of course, because of the the fact that there's a German and a Russian team playing against each other and as we're covering both leagues you know I, I spread the love a little bit so you can find this this on football start but you can also click through it on football grad. so um yeah the preview and i I had this game I think this is going to be very tightly balanced. Um, the, the fact is that Leipzig had a little bit of a result crisis lately. And I'm saying result crisis because they actually have been very good. I was at their, um, second or first Champions League home game of the season just a couple of weeks ago when they when they lost to Olympic Lyon. And I actually thought they were the much better side in that game and just couldn't finish it off. And this has been a big issue for them, um, in the last, four or five games that they really haven't been able to finish off their opponents. So I'm really curious to see how they are going to do against Zenit. I think they, the one thing that will speak for the Leipzig is that they are very fast. And I think Zenit's backline is, is a little bit slow and aging. And I think when you look at someone like Timo Werner and his speed, that's going to be a huge factor. So I'm really looking forward to this game. We're going to cover it. It's, there's going to be a match report on uh, the football Ground network. So, um, keep looking out for that. But, um Andrew we also kind of wanted to look at the results today um I know you watched locomotive against juve and um mm-hmm. I did the the preview for that and the big story of course was Cristiano Ronaldo now has 700 goals which puts him in a category with. I think the real Ronaldo, Romario, uh, Arthur Friedenreich, um, Gerd Müller, of course, right? It's a lot of goals. Um, but he did not score in yeah. this game. Um, unfortunately for Lokomotive, that did not make too big of a difference, though.
0: Well, he didn't. And if, if truth be told, he, he did have a lot of possession because, well, he likes the world to revolve around him and most of his teammates tend to comply with that, but he was kept far Quieter than some of his other teammates, I think. To be honest, when you are such a, I mean, he is a he's a phenomenal footballer. There's no two ways about it. Whatever your opinion of him as a as a man, um, as a person, he is a, an incredible, incredible footballer. But it's it becomes a target to to contain him. Now, the, with locomotive we know that Yuri Semen is a very organised defensive coach, and he played, unsurprisingly, played. Uh, well, effectively a back five at times because Murido Sequeira was shielding the defence but dropped into the back line um, a lot. And he was very, very tight on Cristiano Ronaldo for a, a lot of the game. Um, I mean, their possession stats are not going to surprise anybody. So there's not really much point going over specific details. But, you know, Juventus had all the ball. Um, they had a lot of possession. But they were fairly wasteful in the final third. And when Alexey Miranchuk and I believe it was Yao Mario broke forward uh, after about half an hour, um, Yao Mario's shot was blocked by Shesny um, and uh, Miranchuk's volley was absolutely fantastic, really well controlled. Uh, and Lokomotiv, if true, honestly, were pretty comfortable after that for the next 30, 40 minutes of the game. They, they really genuinely were. Uh, it took two moments of genius from Paulo Dybala, or at least one anyway. Um, his, his equalizer was, was, was fabulously taken. There was very little that Guillermo could have done to, to stop that. Uh, it wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo who made the difference. Dybala made the difference. Rodrigo, Rodrigo Bentacor was, was fantastic as well. He was, um, he carried the ball through the lines very well. But locomotives were very promising. I, I really did not expect to see this. I have to be honest. After last season's Champions League campaign was so poor against far less challenging sides to, to already have points on the board in a group like this. They've done, they've done extremely well. But I, I honestly felt, uh, up until the last quarter of an hour, I really thought Lokomotiv were going to get, um, going to get something out of this game, but they can hold their heads high because they performed well. For me, Yao Mario was absolutely sensational. He was just so, so good holding the ball carrying it forwards. Um and with Grigor Kachoriak on form as he is, those two were were absolutely fantastic. They really were. So it's a shame for locomotive um moments of genius undid them. But uh, otherwise they are gonna be a threat in this group.
2: Well I, I tell you what, they're gonna finish ahead of Leverkusen because they were absolutely dreadful today. Um I had the unfortunate pleasure to watch that game instead. <laughs> but um yeah. <laughs> Let's don't dwell on that too much. Uh, quickly, Schachter drew dinamo Zagreb 2-2, and that actually means that both those teams still have a chance, a good chance to advance to the mm. next, next round, which is great news. I mean, we, we see so many times we see teams from, you know, the big countries advance all the time and, um, seeing both those teams in a group of Manchester City still in it. Um, especially since Atalanta is doing so poorly, um, is great news. Also, um, we have Europa League games. Those previews are going to be up, um, going to be posted and pushed all tomorrow. Um, so that's CSGA against Verenz Varos, Trabzonspor against Krasnodar, um, and of course Dinamo Kiev against Copenhagen. Uh, so keep an eye on that. I'm brushing over this really quickly, guys, because Andrew, you want to talk more about futsal. Um, we did talk about Barcelona already, so keep that brief because we also want to talk about Tuman's other not-so-important side. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of futsal, as anybody with a half a brainchild should be, but the futsal Champions League moves on to the elite round now, uh, which is basically the last um, the last eight teams, I think it is, and oh, sorry, the last 16 teams. So there are four groups of four. Chumen will host one elite round, and they have to finish top of the group to get through to the final four. Um the previous group stage, Barcelona against Chumen uh was uh well, one-nil to Barcelona. Um Chumen were very good. They missed from one yard within the last 13 seconds of that game, and to be honest, were the better side in the second half. Uh but they did the job, they through to the elite round, and they're going to host sporting. Uh, sporting lip, well, uh, sporting club de Portugal. Um, and, the Croatian side and the Kazakh side the names have slightly slipped my mind, but the elite round is coming to Chumen and it is interesting for the, for Chumen sports in general because the club president is president of the futsal, the 11 side football team and the hockey team. And there's going to be a conflict of interest, uh, to say the least, um, about what his priority is. but Futsal Champions League football is coming to Tumen. That's all that matters.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it. That will have huge applications because Tumen is now 18 points. And this, this is something that we discussed a little bit, right? Um, the fact that unfortunately, once you have a case like that against you, the minus points just keep accumulating, don't they? Until you paid off that debt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is the, this is the big story in the, well, certainly for me personally, but in the lower leagues, because, yeah, as you mentioned, Chimen had a, had a case about four or five years ago where the bonuses were promised to players verbally, but the contract itself was not signed by the club. And players complained when they weren't, or some players were paid bonuses, but not all. And the players who were not paid, They've complained to courts of arbitration for sport who agree with their case, uh, which is a little bit ridiculous because legally they can, they can't say word of mouth is a legally binding contract, but anyhow, that's what they've decided. And it, like you say, the six point deductions, they are going to keep coming and Chimen are not going to pay for a number of reasons. Firstly, out of principle, because they, you know, legally they are, they are not wrong. They didn't sign a bit of paper, not by the club. It was the manager at the time who signed it, and he was not in a position to do so. Uh, But also, there was an interesting tactic that I've learned this week about exactly what happened. The next step for Tumen, after they got the original ruling, was to go to the Tumen regional courts to say, look, um, this, uh, this bonus system... Um we we didn't sign any papers, but the head administrator, who is a personal friend of Alexander Popov, the club president, um, he he went to the regional courts, encouraged by the president himself to complain about the fact that he hadn't been paid um, these bonuses. And the court said, well, look, have you got any paper to prove it? And he said, no, of course not. Um, but this is what it was promised by word and mouth. So the court said, well, legally, you are not due the payment because there isn't some paperwork to prove it. Uh, this was all orchestrated by the club themselves so that they, they knew the ruling would be that way. And then they took that ruling to the Court of Arbitration of the Sport and said, look, this is, this is a precedent. This is what the... Uh, The chief administrator of the club, who claimed he was due a bonus, he legally is not due a bonus because there is no document um, signed by the club. So why are you siding with the players? It's the same situation. They're saying the same thing. Um, So if Tumen do pay the fine, they are admitting guilt in the eyes of the Tumen Regional Court, which means the club would then be in legal trouble within Russia. So it's a very complicated situation. What it means, though, long story short, well, long, it's not a short story, but um, what it means is that Chimane will keep getting these minus six-point deductions. The last one will be confirmed in a week's time or so. They will finish bottom of the Oral Povolja unless a miracle happens, and that means they will not get a license to stay in the PFL Ural Povolja, which is the lowest professional level in Russia, which in turn means they will lose professional status and the first team will be disbanded. Uh, And there is precedent for this. This happened 15 years ago when the club had serious financial trouble. They played in the amateur leagues for two or three years until enough finance could be found again. And it is genuinely, it's not being overly dramatic, but it is seriously worrying times for the club. Because Mm -hmm. like I mentioned with the futsal, That's the priority of Alexander Popov, the club president. They are successful. They are far more profitable. The hockey side, they were runners-up in the the Russian second tier in hockey last season. They were a very successful side in their area. Chumen, 11-side football, is a lot, lot harder to gain success. So I I don't really see a way out of this.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunately an ever-repeating story in Russian football, isn't it? point go, club goes, um, kind of, you know, stretches his resources a bit too thin. Yeah. Finds itself in financial trouble, gets point deductions, dissolves, refounded, do it again. So we'll see if that is going to be the case, um, with FC Tumen. I hope not for you, Andrew, because I know you, you spent a lot of time and you put a lot of energy mm. into supporting this club and reporting about the club. So. Fingers crossed it's not going to turn out quite that way. Um Boys, we are out of time. Unbelievably, um, this just flew past. It's amazing when you do this in the evenings. It's just so much faster. Um <laughs> Yeah, just can't get enough of that. I have a second beer waiting for me in the fridge. Uh, I'm not going to pluck that because I'm still waiting for Philips to pay the the, the advertising fee that they they own us for this one. <laughs> but um guys, other than beer, what do you have to pluck this week? Tim, you go first.
3: Well, well, I'm extremely busy again with music. I'm organizing a new mini festival, a Christmas rager, which I called, which will take place in December on uh, uh, December sixth and seventh in Vancouver. And um, yeah, so I'm busy with music, with band, uh, with work, and uh trying to also stay on top of football. And hopefully, after we finish this, I'll get the chance to watch some Champions League football. But uh yeah, if you want to um, uh, follow me on Twitter, it's Russian Tim sixty one and uh, on
0: instagram it's rocket from russia. Yeah,
2: absolutely do. Andrew how about you.
0: Well, the, the usual football ground previews I'll be doing um doing more of that. So that's where most of the most of the work will be. Uh other than that, um nothing much really except my my ongoing project how of football and we're going to be setting up the website I believe next month and we're just Building up some contents so that will all be ready, nice and shiny, ready to get online before Christmas. So keep your eyes on that, uh, heart of footy on Twitter. And, uh, we've got some coverage from all over the world. So it's, it's always good fun to see that.
2: Awesome stuff. Yeah. And you can find me at Manuel Weff. Um, what do I have to plug? Well, I interviewed Vancouver White head coach Mark Dos Santos, exclusive interview for Pro Soccer USA. So that will, their first part is out on ProSoccerUSA.com. Um, then also for Forbes, I did take a look at Bayern München's injury, defensive injury crisis. I'm not going to give away too much because I think Tim still wants to watch that game. And um, what else do I have to plug? Yeah, all the previews, of course, they're all on Football Grad. We have match reports. Um And of course, I also do cover the ICE International Champions Cup teams involved in the Champions League so I did a roundup for Tuesday that's on the International Champions Cup homepage so you can find that there and I tweet all of that out on my personal uh, Twitter account so yeah that's it guys pretty much wrap that up until next week do svidani <laughs>